0: Here we go again. My team lost. The refs cheated. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's what we're talking about this morning. Seriously. Patrick Mahomes won the MVP on one leg, and that's what we're talking about this morning. Okay, if you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. We'll also tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. There were plenty of both. And the Saints, Derek Carr saying... He wants to be a free agent. What does that do for the Saints' chances? Well, we're going to talk about all of this, both in my monologue and with Mike Triplett, our old friend, coming up next on the season finale of Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of danitude. and he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends who either said, woo, last night, or said, my team got screwed. Yep, this is the season two finale of Datitude, episode number 139 for a Monday morning, Monday, Monday, February 13th, 2023. I'm Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the times Picayune, the advocate at bet.nola.com, and as Philip H. Anselmo has said 139 times, I tell it the way it is, or at least the way that I think it is, and that's what I'm going to do here for the next, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes before I get to my friend Mike Triplett, and Tripp and I will talk about it, pretty much most of the things I'm going to talk about in my monologue, but get his spin on it and his take, because I'm interested, because as I record this monologue, I have no idea what Mike Triplett's going to say. Uh, As most of you know, and listen, I'm very transparent the way I record these things, and it goes this way, Um, eight and a half times out of ten, I record my monologue after I have interviewed my guests, therefore know what they're going to say and kind of lead in with that, but Tripp's got some stuff going on this morning, so um, hence why this podcast is probably out a little bit later than it normally would be, and uh, I have no idea what he's going to say as I record this, so I'll just say what I'm going to say. I've been in text groups. You know, I had to turn my phone off for most of the game last night. Whenever I'm watching a big game, or a lot of times, too, when I'm watching the Saints, either I have to turn my phone off or turn my notifications off, and then I'll look at them after the game's over. Um, I kind of did that last night. It was getting a little crazy. So, I don't know. Some point early in the game, I turned my notifications off, and I'll go back and look at this crap later. Oh, my goodness gracious, you'd have thought the world ended. The world ended last night, Super Bowl 57. Let's just take away from what potentially the greatest player who has ever played this game. I'm not crowning him yet, but he's, he is damn close. I've said this before, that Patrick Mahomes has a chance to be the greatest player who has ever played this game. I know this. Before last night, I was saying, you know what, he's not quite in the Hall of Fame. Because people were saying if he retired after this which he's not going to retire. But if he retired after this season, would he be in the Hall of Fame? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if he's played enough yet. Guess what now I know? I don't need to see any more. If Patrick Mahomes retired tomorrow, five years from tomorrow, he would be in the Hall of Fame. Zero question in my mind. Zero question in my mind, he should be. It's not a debate. He's made his way into the Hall of Fame, and unless he does something really dumb, which he's not going to do, or he just turns into, I don't know, Billy Joe Hobart, which he's not going to do, he's in the Hall of Fame. That performance last night from Patrick Mahomes was insane. It was one of the, I mean, you can always say, I hate the all-times and best-ever and all this... All this stuff. So I I always like to say if I think something maybe is the best ever, one of the best ever. Unless I'm I'm 100% certain. And I'm not 100% certain. But considering the injury that he played with last night, you know, how just appropriate, I guess, was it that if he was going to get hurt on that same ankle that number 57 tackled him, I don't even know who number 57 is for the Eagles, and I don't feel like looking it up because it doesn't matter. But number 57 in the second quarter tackles Mahomes in Super Bowl 57. He gets up, and then when they start messing with his ankle on the sideline, it looks like somebody shot him in the leg. I mean, obvious crazy pain that 95% of other football players or any player in any sport anywhere would have come back into the game. Not only come back into that game, but do what he did in the second half. It doesn't, it defies logic. I mean, I'm not going to get into the players that I think about the opposite way. You know who I'm talking about. But it defies logic that someone could come in, not only and continue to play, but continue to play better than just about any other player in the NFL. And make no mistake about it, no matter what you think, of how the game ended. We're going to get to that very shortly. But I want to lead off with the reason why. the Kansas City won. There's only one reason why they won. Number 15. I mean if you look at his stats. If you would have just shown me Patrick Mahomes stats. From before the game. And shown me nothing else. I would have said oh I got to go lay money on all kinds of other people. With long odds to win. the," And told me Kansas City was going to win by the way. If you would have told me Kansas City was going to win and you showed me Patrick Mahomes' stats, I'd have been laying props all over the place on other players. But if you watched the game, it was unquestionable. Zero debate. 0.0 debate. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. They don't win that game without him. They don't win that game with any other quarterback playing in that spot right there. He willed them to victory. That's why he has a chance to become, at one point, the greatest player who ever lived. He's not there yet. But he's, he's getting there. He's only 27. He could be there by the time he's 30 or 31. I don't care about the rings that Tom Brady has. I don't care about the yards that whoever has, Brady, Breeze, Manning, doesn't matter. I mean, he's already better than most of them. Right now, he's probably number three in my book. And by the way, my book does not have Tom Brady at the top. So that's another argument for another day. We've been through that before. My book is Montana, Brady, Mahomes. That's where it is right now. Again, another argument for another day. The point of this is that Mahomes is climbing his way up the charts And very rapidly. And um, he could stay at number one for a long time. With a a couple more years like this. I mean, he might win. I mean, if you had to place odds on whether Patrick Mahomes is going to win another Super Bowl, where would you place him right now? You'd have to make it like, in betting terms, minus 500. That might not even be enough. I mean, in in layman's terms, for people that don't bet, basically what that means is if you take out the juice and what you'd have to pay to bet it, I mean, that basically means three and a half or four to one. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think it's not only probable, but way more likely than not. Maybe that's the same thing. I don't know. Point is, you get it. Just the things that he did last night, and you know that run, and that last drive, that that game-winning drive, when he just took off and held the ball, and you watch his face, and he wasn't in pain while he was running, because he didn't think about it, and I know just something instinct took do- took over, and he just ran. But, I mean, how many players can do that on that leg? And then as soon as he went down and he got up, you saw that face and you knew he was just writhing in pain. Amazing. And I know I've gone on here for six minutes or so about Patrick Mahomes, and I don't care. He deserves it because I know what you all want to talk about, and that's the ending. And, yeah, let's talk about it. This is how I know it was the right call. The number one reason. We can forget everything else because really there is no argument after this. I don't care whether you, what you have to say. And, you know, it's funny because if you're on the other side, oh, of course there's an argument. But we'll get into that in a second. But here's where the argument truly ends. But you want to hear about it so we'll talk about it more after this. The end of the argument. James Bradbury, quote, It was holding. I tugged his jersey. I was hoping they would let it slide. End of argument. Any argument that you could possibly have for why it should have been or shouldn't have been called ends there. Period. Shut up. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter... But they didn't do this in the first quarter. They didn't do this in the third quarter. They can't let the game in like that, Derry. Come on. My team lost. It doesn't make a difference what you think. It doesn't make a difference what I think. The dude said, and I quote, I was holding. End of argument. I'm sure I'll have plenty of argument with it and by you bets. But heads up, Zach Ewing. Heads up, Spencer card. but Spencer's going to be on my side anyway. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to get into a long-winded debate. Because it ends right there. I was holding. You know, here's the reason why, besides the fact that... And I'm not talking about the people who bet on the game uh, one way or the other. Because obviously... Anyone that was wearing an Eagles jersey last night or bet on the Eagles thinks it was a bullshit call. Sorry, that's the way to put it. That's the only way to put it. The people who were wearing red jerseys and white jerseys with red numbers and red sweatshirts and bet on the Kansas City Chiefs thinks it was a great call. So, I mean, we can have this argument or debate until the cows come home Three years from when we talk about this And bring this up The people who wore green jerseys Last night And bet on the Eagles Are going to say the same thing Of course I bet on Kansas City So you can take my argument for what it's worth But it's not an argument Because the dude himself wearing a green jersey Said it was holding Here's another reason Now Go back and watch it If you have it on DVR or Go back and watch the highlight or whatever You won't get enough from just the highlight to be able to see this. But after the play was called, you didn't see one. Not a single Philadelphia Eagle on the field. Not a coach. Not a player. Not a single person complain about the call. All they did was put their hands over their face. Like, oh my God, I can't believe my dude just did that. Not a single one. They watched the replay. They didn't cry about it when they saw the replay. Nick Sirianni, to his credit, said exactly the thing, whether he thinks he got screwed or not. He said the right thing, but he didn't complain on the sideline when it happened. None of that. Why are we wasting breath? Here's the real reason. Here is the number one re- Forget about the betting. Forget about who you're rooting for. Here's the reason why it comes out and con- it's got to be controversial And while we're talking about this, as much as we're talking about Patrick Mahomes this morning, there's one reason. People hate endings that don't end the way they're supposed to end or what they think of in their head. It's like watching a great movie. And it has like kind of a uh, ending. Well, it was a really good movie for the first hour and 50 minutes. And that last 10 minutes, it sucked. I can't... It's like the writers just, just gave up. They were tired of writing. I compare it to, like, compare it to The Sopranos. How many of you watch The Sopranos out there? I say, I'm guessing my audience here 75 80%. You watch The Sopranos. Greatest series of all time, right? I mean, in my mind, it was until that ending, which was awful. That's what I compared last night's Super Bowl to. In a condensed version. It's like you watch three hours and 25 minutes of one of the greatest games ever played, if you like offense, by the way. If you like defense, it was a terrible game. And then the ending sucked. I mean, even if you're a Kansas City fan or you bet on Kansas City like I did, it was kind of like, oh, home, that game deserved a better ending. I mean, I'll admit to that. That game deserved a better ending. Even when he kicked the field goal. I mean, look. I made one of the biggest bets of my life on the Kansas City Chiefs money line last night. Well, I didn't make it last night. I made it over the course of, over the course of actually several weeks. Multiple bets that turned into one. But even when he kicked the field goal, I was like, eh. I wish it would have ended better than that. I wish it would, I mean, would it have been any better had the play not been called and the ball gets kicked. Philadelphia gets the ball back. And Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts, who played the game of his life, throws an interception. Or on fourth down, misses a wide open receiver. And then we got to talk about, well, he was great until the final drop. Would that have happened? I have no idea. Would he have let him back for a game winning touchdown? I have no idea. Would he have let him back for a game-tying field goal? Probably not, because Nick Sarayani probably wouldn't have kicked the field goal unless it was like fourth and 18. that's another thing. He got out-coached out the wazoo in the second half. And no, I don't know what a wazoo is, nor am I going to explain it on Dattitude. So, going back real quick, before we wrap this part of it up, that's what it is. People want everything tied into a nice, beautiful bow. You got this great present underneath, but somebody wrapped it in a newspaper and tied a string around it. Doesn't make the present as nice. It's not supposed to end that way. Why? That's the way that it ended. It's real life. That's, that's real life. But they didn't call Holding in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third. I don't care. He got held twice. You know what the difference between any other controversial, if you go back, oh, I'm going to go back and study and I'm going to find Holding from the first quarter and the second quarter and the third quarter, I'm going to show it to you, Derry. You know what the difference between all those were? There are two big differences. Number one, it wasn't on a, none of the other ones were on a potential scoring play. Number two, the dude got held twice. But they wouldn't have called the second one or they wouldn't have called the first. I don't care. He got held twice. The second one, who I'm not going to name any names. He's listening right now, and he's going to know who I'm talking about him. They would never call that second one. Never, ever. You don't know that. And, and so, but the point of that is, it's the multitude of the play. He might have got away with the first one. He might have got away with the second one. But when you do it twice in the same play, to keep a guy from getting open into the corner for what could have been a touchdown, would he have caught it? I have no idea. Would he have got to it? Maybe. But with defensive holding, it doesn't matter whether he could get to it or not. The point is the totality of the play forces a call there. Had it not been called, we would still be talking about it had Philadelphia come back and scored. We probably wouldn't be talking about it as much had Philadelphia come back and kicked a game-tying field goal and then Kansas City won an overtime, but we'd still be talking about it, and had it not been called and Philadelphia come down and scored a game-winning touchdown, we absolutely would have been talking about it. Should we call those sorts of things because when is, it good, when is it okay time to call that, by the way? With three minutes left, is it okay to call it? With six minutes left, is it okay to call it? When, when is it okay? That's my big question. When is it okay? I mean, do we put it, rules down on this thing? Uh, if If there's more than two minutes and 48 seconds left, you can call any kind of like Semi-tug or holding. If there's less than 2 minutes and 48 seconds, it's got to be egregious. And to what level? What defines something as egregious or penalty-worthy? We could be here all day long. You get my point. You can't call it because it's the end of the game. Why? It was holding. It potentially kept Juju Smith-Schuster... From getting in the end zone and breaking past Bradbury and catching the touchdown pass. I get it, the dude didn't want to get burned. If he doesn't hold there and he does get the ball and he does catch the touchdown pass, Eagles fans probably would have said, he should have held. Because in the end, he doesn't catch the touchdown pass. And it's worse than allowing the touchdown pass. Because the Eagles, once that play is dead there, you knew at best, at very best, the Eagles are going to have one, two, maybe three plays left, and as it turned out, they had one. A Hail Mary. You let them score a touchdown like they were trying to let them score, but any Andy Reid team, by the way, sheer brilliance sliding right there, 27, 28 other teams in the NFL don't slide, they score. Then that's smart enough to realize they got to slide down right there. Even though Greg Olson was saying it on Fox. By the way, he did a great job, except for at the end when he was crying about the no-hole. In fact, if Greg Olson doesn't say that right there, I don't even think there's any... I mean, I think there's controversy in social media land because they don't have anything better to do with their time. But if Greg Olson doesn't say that right there, I don't even think anything. I'm being dead serious. I think nothing of it until I go to Twitter Twitter world, Twitterverse, whatever you want to call it, after the game's over. I think nothing of it. Oh, yeah, that's thing. I can't believe I just spent ten minutes talking about it. Because it's taken away from just an unbelievable performance by a guy that for five years from now, could be called the greatest football player who ever walked the planet. He's not there yet, but he's close. And there'll be plenty more talk about this coming up with, I'm sure with Mike Triplett, I'm interested to hear his his viewpoint. And I'm certain there'll be plenty of talk about it later this afternoon on Bayou Bets uh, at 4 o'clock on all the bet.noah.com Social media channels live at four o'clock, and if you don't catch it, you can you can find a way to watch it. We we post it online, and uh, you can find it. But I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you a preview. I'm not going to get into a dumb debate. They're not they're not going to sucker me into a dumb debate, cause it's a dumb debate. End of argument. I was holding. Period. That's it. That's all I need. But you don't call it. I don't care. That's what I'ma say, and I'ma. St- I'm going to sit there and look like a doofus, if you want to call it that. I can't believe you're not going to engage in this debate. Nope. Not going to do it. Not wasting my breath anymore. I'm about to go on vacation, boys and girls. Because I can tell you what, in two more days, I ain't thinking about this anymore. Game's over. The right team won. Not just because I bet on them. The right team won because they deserved to win. You know why? We never even got into this. I'm looking at the... The clock on this thing, 24 minutes. 24 minutes into the podcast. The right team won, not just because of Patrick Mahomes. The right team won because the Philadelphia Eagles couldn't stop the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half, and Nick Sirianni got out-coached like you knew he would. So that leads into my right and wrong segment. You know, if, if for those of you that, that have got into betting or you've been betting for a while, You're either learning or you will soon learn that betting is a lot about timing and having the right bet, and we talk about this all the time. You know, we had um, Josh on from Covers.com last week talking about how to bet the Super Bowl. And there were some things I disagreed with him about and didn't really say it at the time, and there's lots of things that this. I'm not a, I'm not a prop guy, okay. I know people have fun with these with the props, and I know I know people have fun with these parlays. And look, if you if that's what make, makes you happy, then do, then do it. I'm not telling you not to do it. Seven and eight leg parlays doesn't make sense. You're not going to win. You're never going to. It's like playing video poker. You're going to hit one big every now and then. But when you make your last bet of your life and you add them all up, you're going to be a loser. So that that's kind of my, my point of all this. But regardless, what I'm getting to is it just kind of depends on where you are. You know, last week I thought I had some great bets. Um, well, last week, I say in the championship round, um, it was a losing week for me. If you go to my best bets, it, it was a terrible week because... I put my eggs in the basket of the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I had some on the Chiefs, too. But it's all about where your money... I mean, you could have a great week and break even. And you can have a terrible week and break even. You can have a ho-hum week and win big and have a ho-hum week and lose big. If that makes any sense. It depends on where you put your eggs. In this case, last night, there was only really one place to put my eggs because I'm not a big prop better. So I had the Chiefs all over the place. I won big last night. Because unlike last year where I did bet a lot of props and I got everything, It was, last year was one of those years you have like once every 10 years. I got all the props right. I got the team right. I got everything right. But... This year I decided, you know what, I don't love these props. And I only bet a couple of them. And I didn't put hardly anything on them. And I put way more in the game, and I was right to do so. But you know what, a lot of people out there might have loved the Chiefs, but they only put a little bit on the game. They did all these different props. I mean, think about it. If you liked the Chiefs last night, you didn't expect the Hurts to have that kind of performance. You didn't expect... um, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith to have that kind of performance. You probably didn't expect the game to go over. Um, You certainly didn't expect the Eagles to score 35 points. So betting is a weird world. And uh, I just happened to have my eggs in the right basket last night. So where I was right and where I was wrong matters because it kind of explains a lot about this game. And I'm going to kind of mix them up. And I'm going to forget probably half of the ones that I thought of last night. But I'm, I'm going to throw the one, and I'll remember the ones that are important. First off, I'm going to say where I was wrong. Because I think where I was wrong is, deserves a major kudos, golf clap, whatever you want to say. Jalen Hurts is going to be a superstar in this game. I was completely wrong, not just about Jalen Hurts, but I said that the Philadelphia Eagles hadn't had a lot thrown at them, and we're going to get to where that showed up in a minute. Their their schedule was, was crap, dog meat. They played nobody. The best team they played all year was the San Francisco 49ers who didn't have a quarterback for three and a half quarters. You could make an argument, I mean I guess the second best team they played realistically was the Dallas Cowboys. The first time they played him and beat him, Cooper Rush was the Cowboys quarterback. The second time they played him and lost, Gardner Minshew was the Eagles quarterback. So that's kind of a, you got to throw that one out. You can make an argument that the third best team that the Eagles played all season long was the New Orleans Saints, who whipped their ass. And I get Gardner Minshew was their quarterback. I mean, they didn't play anybody. But I was wrong about how well that O-line would hold up. And I was certainly wrong. I thought at some point, Jalen Hurts would kind of wilt. Now, he made the one big mistake, but you know what? It happens. You throw that fumble out, which really could have been the difference in the game when you look at the grand scheme of things, because if the Eagles go down and score there, it's, it's, it's a lot different game. However... You throw that fumble out, which could have happened to anyone, and he played a perfect game, really. He was incredible. And it leads me to believe that he could be the best player in the NFC right now. And could be for a while. Because the the level at which Jalen Hurts has grown over the past two seasons is incredible. And I can tell you... I don't know about the Eagles overall. I don't they look, they had that super easy schedule. That's a once in a decade kind of easy schedule they had. Maybe more than maybe once in a two-decade kind of easy schedule. They're that's not gonna schedule they're gonna have next year. I promise you. It's gonna be way different. Do they come out as the number one seed? I don't know. Talk to me when rosters get settled and we'll get to that in in May, in June, and start talking about that. But this team's not going anywhere. I think they're. you got to look at them as the class of the division. Now, that's where I was right about the... I mean, that's where I was wrong about the Eagles. Where I was right is that defense is highly overrated. Pass rush? What pass rush? And it wasn't just because it was Patrick Mahomes... That offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs smoked the front of the Philadelphia Eagles. They hardly touched Mahomes. And the dude had one leg. I mean, even if you want to throw out before he, you know, messed up his leg or before he gets hurt towards the end of the first half, second half he was better. They couldn't get to him. That's the offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, again, you're talking about one of the best offensive lines in football who has come a really long way in two years when they got blown up by Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So that's where I was right. The Eagles, you know, Hassan Reddick was non existent. And Dominic Kinsu, the only time I even heard his name called was when he was off sides. CJGJ had one big hit on Isaiah Pacheco. Other than that, I don't think I heard his name called. Slay, Bradbury, all those guys back there, nothing. You got burned. And the defensive coaching, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles is being mentioned as a candidate to be the next head coach in Arizona. He got smoked. His scheme, they didn't recognize... I mean, Kansas City ran the same play twice in a row. On, I say twice in a row, I mean on consecutive drives. Two scoring plays, same play. He got smoked. Where I was right, I already said Patrick Mahomes. You can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you're not always going to win. I'm not saying you always, you need to always bet on Patrick Mahomes. I'm saying I'm never betting against Patrick Mahomes. It's kind of like Tom Brady. You know, I do it every now and then. Or I should say did it every now and then. And I got burned. It's one of those things when you bet against Patrick Mahomes and you lose and you like say, yeah, I did it again. I bet against Patrick Mahomes. I'm an idiot. It happens. I mean, it is what it is. Where I was wrong. Running games. I mean, I thought... If you would have told me Kansas, Philadelphia scored 35 points and Miles Sanders had no part of it and the running game in general had no part of it except for Jalen Hurts, I would have told you you were crazy. There was no way that Philadelphia was going to win this game without running the football. They almost won the game without running the football. It well, goes back to Jalen Hurts and how good the offensive line was. There were lots of things I was right about, lots of things I was wrong about. Again, Um, I know I've forgotten a lot of things I wanted to say, and that's okay. Um, But I guess the number one thing is I'm I'm never, at least not in a big game, I can't say never during the regular season. I may pick against Patrick Mahomes, but I'm never going to bet against Patrick Mahomes in a big game ever again. I may pick against him, I'm just not going to bet on the game. That's just the way it is. You just can't bet against him. And to me, Mahomes getting points made no sense. It still doesn't. You know, Zach Ewing asked me last night, if we, if we play this game again in two weeks, would you make this spread? I said probably even is probably what they would make it. I would make it what it should have been in the first place, and that's Kansas City minus 2.5. And, and had they made it Kansas City minus 2.5, I would have won that bet too. I wouldn't have bet the money line. I would have bet minus 2.5. Would have won that too. If they play this game, I know people don't believe this or hear this or, like, you're wrong, Darryl, whatever. You you know how many times I've heard I'm wrong in the last 12 months and I wasn't wrong? Plenty. So I'm telling you this. I'm, I'm prefacing what I'm about to say with this. If you played that game, the same teams, seven times, and I'm making it so where the first game, the, the time before they played never happened. So it's like they can't see and correct their mistakes. Because if they could see and correct their mistakes, Kansas City wins like eight or nine times out of 10. Because Andy Reid is that good of a coach, and Nick Sirianni has a long way to go, and his staff. So that being said, if you take out, they can't correct mistakes, they just play the game in hyperspace. 10 times, without seeing the game before or any of the other games before, I think Kansas City went 7 out of 10 because they have Patrick Mahomes and because the Philadelphia Eagles defense is highly overrated. Big deal, you beat Detroit by 3. Big deal, you whooped up on the NFC East and you beat the hell out of the New York Giants who also had an easy schedule. Who we said in the beginning of the season... Was a playoff team. Big deal. They play this game again. Kansas City is the best team in football. Well, what about Joe Burrow? Yeah. What about Joe Burrow? He lost. But the refs cheated. Kansas City won. What about the Buffalo Bills? No, Kansas. City. But they beat him in a regular season. Not when it counted. They didn't. Because they didn't play him. I don't care. They didn't play him. This is what I know. The right team won the Super Bowl. Go back and play it all over again. The right team won the Super Bowl. Period. They play this game again, seven out of ten. That's my prediction. And I'm gonna bet Kansas City every you give me that spread, I'm betting Kansas City every single time. I don't need to see anything else. In fact, we can hyperspace into 2024, into February 2024. You got Kansas City against X nfc team, and Kansas City's getting one and a half points, and, and Mahomes is at least as healthy as he was yesterday. I don't need to see anything else, nothing else. I'm taking Kansas City. I don't care if they're playing the 1985 Chicago Bears. Doesn't matter. I'm taking Mahomes. I'm never betting against the dude again in a big game, ever. Mark my words. You can throw them back at me three years from now, five years from now. I don't care. Ain't doing it. Might not have bet. I might not bet on them, but I ain't betting against them. All right. Before we get to Mr. Triplet, we're going to talk about the Saints, obviously. Um, and I know some of you came to hear this part, and you don't want to hear me talking for thirty-six minutes or thirty-seven minutes or whatever it was about the Super Bowl. Well, that's why they have fast forward buttons. I'm going to get into it more with triplet, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, Mike covers the Saints for a living, and I cover betting for a living. And but I, you know, I'm not on the inside, but I know as much as anyone who's not on the inside. I guess that's the way to put it. But Mike's on the inside. We'll let him talk about it. But th- here's the way I feel about Derek Carr and. Um his announcement his announcement that um he wasn't going to accept a, a trade to the saints or any other team it's not a surprise first off, but I got some feedback on twitter I, I'm not look I like to read some of the social media comments I get, but y'all are getting dumb okay i I'm, I'm not reading stupid comments. I said this the other day I said this Friday. If you don't think Derek Carr is the best opportunity or the best player out there at quarterback that the Saints could potentially get, stop smoking crack. It's really bad for you. Or worse. I mean, or not worse. I guess it's not not a lot worse than smoking crack. Stop watching football because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Period. If you don't think Derek Carr is the best player at quarterback, that the Saints have a potential, a possibility to get, then you should stop watching football. You're wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. Because the other options are Andy Dalton, a rookie quarterback, or tanking, and you're an idiot if you, and I mean this. I don't just throw this out there loosely. Idiot, moron, whatever word you want to use. You're an idiot you're a, whatever you want to call. I don't care if you stop listening to the show cuz I'm calling you an idiot. I don't want you to stop listening to the show but I'm calling it the way that I see it. You're an idiot. Unquestionably the best player, best quarterback available potentially to the Saints. That being said, this announcement yesterday is not good for the Saints. It doesn't it it's it's not a game breaker. I had somebody say, when I posted this on Twitter yesterday say, good. You're a moron. Whoever you are, stop watching football. It it's it's not good. It lessens this the Saints' chances of getting Derek Carr. Why? Because you know, Sean Fazan, I don't know how many of you stayed up after the game was over and I didn't watch whatever Gordon Ramsey's show was. I, I didn't watch that. I went to the NFL Network, and then I went back to Fox 8. Sean Fazan had a perfect explanation of it last night on the whatever the name of their show is at uh, Final Player. I think it's the final play. And he said this. He said, basically, it doesn't prevent the Saints from being able to get Derek Carr, but now they got to compete with other teams. Oh, there's not going to be any other team. I've heard that. No one else is going to want him. Are you crazy? Are you out of your box? Derek Derek Carr is going to command bucks, big bucks. And the Saints were in the running with no one else when they were trying to trade for him, which is why I said it was much better for the Saints to give up a third-round pick or whatever it may be to get Derek Carr and work out some compensation some kind of way. They may have been able to unload Michael Thomas or other things to make the cash work a little bit better. But no, now, you're talking about potentially, possibly, the most cash-strapped team in the NFL. Saints are up there. If they're not number one, they're number two or number three. So now, if you want to get a Derek Carr, you have to go through the whole thing that you've been doing for the last eight to ten years and kicking cans down the road and revamping contracts and even revamping, you know, you're working his working cars contract to where it's backloaded. Is he gonna wanna do that? I don't know. I mean, the dude's thirty two years old. He knows he's got like one legitimate shot. Because whatever contract he's gonna get, it's gonna be like at least a four year deal, you would think. So whatever deal he gets, I mean, this is realistically gonna go through his prime. Quarterback's prime and other players' primes are different. Most quarterbacks have their prime, if you don't know this already. Probably I should be feeding the pigeons on Sunday. That's okay. But most quarterbacks' prime are between the ages of 30 and 36. 30 and 35. If you're Tom Brady, 25 and 42, 43. If you're Drew Brees, it's 25 and 40. There, There's only like a couple of those. So realistically, and you look at Aaron Rodgers, he's, I think he slipped out of that prime. Russell Wilson did it at an early age. He's done. I don't care if Sean Payton go there. He ain't resurrecting Russell Wilson from the football dead. So you got a chance to get a Derek Carr, who I think is just going into his prime. I think in the right situation, whether this is it or not, I'm not 100% sure, but it's the Saints' best option by far. Make it happen. Whether they can or not, I don't know. Because now you're going to be dealing with other teams that are going to want and need a quarterback. Some of them are in your own division. Think about it. I can almost guarantee you that Frank Reich is going to go out to Derek Carr. Who needs a quarterback worse than the Saints do? The Carolina Panthers. Worse than the Saints, Carolina Panthers. Is Matt Stafford done in L.A.? That's a possibility. Rams might need a quarterback. And if they don't, they'll need one soon. There's a lot of other teams out there. Atlanta, they're going to sit with Desmond Ritter. Tampa Bay needs a quarterback as bad as Carolina and the Saints. So just look at your own division. Who needs a quarterback? Everybody. They all need a quarterback. A lot of teams are going to be fighting for Derek Carr. So you can say good all you want. And if the Saints don't get Derek Carr, let's revisit this. In a year. I said this last week, and I'll say it again, and I'm not going to spend much more time before we get to the trip, but if they tank, if you, first of all, they're not going to tank. But if they don't get Derek Carr and they absolutely suck, the Saints have too good of a defense and too good of other players to be one of the worst three or four players in football. They just do. If they don't make hardly any changes and they, like, started They're not, nobody loses on purpose, okay? You are, you're worse than a moron if you think the Saints should lose on purpose. Uh, Whatever the step beyond moron is, bleeping moron, bleeping idiot, if you think they should tank. Because that does nothing. There's no guarantee you're going to get anything right anyway. And there's certainly no guarantee unless you come out and say, we're going to lose on purpose, and then you have two fans in the stand all year. It'd be like worse than a preseason game in December. They're never going to do that. Nor should they. To get Caleb Williams and what? Lose every potential free agent. No free agent's ever going to come here. The, the future free agents are going to leave here. Nobody's going to want to go through that. So it ain't happening. That's why the zero question that Derek Carr is number one, way down the list, not way down the list, but certainly below him, and I don't think he's going to come here either. Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't see that. I actually think that's probably the best fit for Frank Reich. But who's going to go to Tampa? Who knows? I know this. You end up with a guy like Baker Mayfield or Andy Dalton comes back. There's going to be a lot of uh, negative, dairy downer, and whatever's on Datitude coming up. That's going to be fun. All right, speaking of fun, let's get to my friend Mike Triplett. And uh, I guess we got to talk about it all again. But I'm more interested on his take of Derek Carr. We're going to certainly spend more time on that. And we're going to do it right now. Welcoming into the season two finale of the Datitude podcast, my old friend and fellow Cubs fan, at least there's one good thing you could say about Mike Triplett. He is a Cubs fan. <laughs> Trip, what's going on this morning?
1: The season 2 finale. I feel really special. This is like the stunt casting, right?
0: The, exactly. The I had for the big show. I had Luke Johnson on to start the season. I had Mike Triplett on to finish it. It's uh, you know, it's it's uh, we've had a lot of Jeff Duncan in between. Um Trip, it's uh it's good to hear from you, my friend. I know you're uh, you're in the car and I appreciate uh, your busy schedule. You finding time to, to to come on and uh, just how'd you enjoy last night?
1: Well, I enjoyed most of it. Fifty nine minutes of it. Um, it was exactly what you want out of any Super Bowl. Look, we. I I, I know you already talked about <laughs> probably the call in, in your broadcast whether whether you believe is the right call or not. I mean, it was hundred percent of people agree it was a, a buzzkill. I mean, we wanted to see the, the Chiefs score. We wanted to see enough time left on the clock to see if Jalen Hurts had a counter punch. But it's funny, my, I was watching with my 14-year-old son, uh, who's just like he's he's just getting into football a little more. Yeah. But uh, my, my seven-year-old daughter freaking loves it. Every, everyone else is in between. But my 14-year-old son's always been a big soccer fan, World Cup, Premier League. And he was the thing he just could not believe was that they were allowed to kneel and let the clock run out. And he's like, who who allows it? <laughs> we need to change that rule. And I'm like, no, man. You start watching, you realize clock management is everything. That that Jim Dariel talk about clock management for an entire uh, podcast. Yes, he, I will. This is what you're supposed to do. That, that that's not the thing to get mad at. <laughs> but it was. Yeah. It was so deflating that we're like, there's not going to be any time left to see if they, they got one more in
0: them. Look, here's my thing in a nutshell. And again, I I mentioned that, you know, usually I I do my monologue after I have my guest on. That way I can kind of like, you know, give a little tease or whatever. But I I didn't do it that way this morning. I did the opposite. So the, the little, the gist of it is, look, I know it's not the ending that people wanted to see. And it's the reason why there's so much buzz about it. When the guy himself says he was holding, the argument ends there, in my opinion. But here's the thing. It's like, it's like the last season of the Sopranos, or, Yeah, yeah, you, know, you, you watch the, the greatest series ever made, and then it ends like, "Are you kidding me?" I mean, the people at the because is the way that it ends. Now, not counting the people that bet one way or the other, but that's not the ending you want to see, but this yeah. is real life. It's not the ending we, we, it's not the ending we get.
1: Exactly. I know. It, it, look, I mean, this is a greater refereeing question. Um, there are so many penalties, and this is one thing the NFL can never overcome. Even if we decide to become the experts, even if they put us in charge, and we know better than them, I, I will never know what you're supposed to do about the penalties that you can call on every play. I mean, this right. reminds me of the, the Chris Harris defensive holding earlier this season that uh, that uh, nullified the Alante Taylor uh, pick six. Right. Um you can call offensive holding on every play. You can call some form of defensive contact, defensive holding, defensive pass interference, illegal contact on every play. And so what is the right answer for that? And and, and look, I mean, we cover the Saints, um, the the city most aggrieved by us a non-call in the history of sports That's a whole on, different story. <laughs> on, on defensive contact, and now the argument is, well, but that one you're not supposed to call. And, and, and in that case, it's it's a tough call. I mean, I am on the side of you can't call that there, or it would be better if you could have the wisdom in the split-second decision to be like, that wasn't bad enough to let this be what everyone is talking about tomorrow. But, um, but that is the toughest part of officiating is – yeah, you know, it's the same with basketball. I mean, I remember covering playoff games that had Shaq versus Chris Webber, and it was just like you can call a foul on every play or you cannot, and and I don't I don't know what the answer is in those cases, but I know that it was a huge buzzkill for everyone.
0: Trip, my my thing on this was the reason why it was different than some of the other. There's two reasons why it was different. And I say my monologue. First off, I thought he held twice in the play. Now, if you take one or the other maybe it's not called. But in the totality of him holding twice, and the second part of it is, it's a potential scoring play. So you can go back and, I saw the talking heads on ESPN this morning, your former colleagues, talking about how, you know, some of them thought it was, some of them thought it wasn't. Dan Olofsky was like going insane about showing these other calls that weren't called holding. Well, none of those were going to be scoring plays. None of those were going to be as significant as one that could decide the Super Bowl. So to me, it's more important to call it if, you know, and again, it's holding, period. But those two facts, the fact that he held them twice and the fact that you're, if, if they don't call it and Philadelphia gets the ball back and Jalen Hurts drives down and they score a winning touchdown, they're still talking about this play that they didn't call it. So, I mean, either way, you can't win if you're an official.
1: Right, right. And you can't know that right then. I mean, they didn't get 30 minutes to decide either. Correct. Like, there's no way you can decide. You got a, half one, a second Which was worse in that moment. Am I going to get killed for not calling this, or am I going to get killed for calling <laughs> Correct. this? Correct. Yeah, and I think over time that one will fade. I, I almost thought, even though I don't think they necessarily got anything wrong in the uh, chiefs Bengals game, I almost thought that one would have a more lasting, that bad taste in your mouth. I mean, I... Like if your if your strongest argument is yeah it was a penalty but I don't know if you can call it there that's right. way different than they got it wrong and so I I think over time it'll fade the other thing I mean the other things you know if anyone wants to you know not feel bad about watching this great game and then feel like it didn't end the way it should have it probably still ended the way it should have I mean the Chiefs are scoring on that drive no matter what they're just kicking their field goal with 90 seconds left instead or you know whatever it is. um... You know, it, it didn't. It didn't change one team from winning to one team from losing. It just changed the amount right. of time that was left on the clock. So, um, but but it sucks. I mean, it sucks that we're always talking about that. I mean, it's probably impossible to fix, but there are some things we we could do to make it better, including you know. I don't, I don't. care. I don't care how involved the guys that are on the field. Are the people watching the HD TV should be making a lot more calls than the guys on the field. There's but, no. But doubt that doesn't help. That, that doesn't help this situation. Um, that doesn't help this situation. The other one I would say is, you know, what is a catch? What isn't a catch? I, I would. I would make a strong passion plea in in the room to be like, how about this? Let's stick with the standard that I think everyone has learned to agree on, and that's two feet down in a football move, and just scrap the part about what happens when you land. Once you've got your two feet down and a football move, I don't care if you still have it. You know, the ground can't cause a fumble for a running back. Why does the ground cause an incomplete pass for a receiver? But, but then anyways, you can argue about what a football
0: move is. I mean, yeah, we can argue yeah, about all yeah, kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. Oh, look, no matter how they change rules or do whatever, yeah. there's still going to be there's arguments. always a good argument, yeah. You know? But to me, again, the argument ends when the player himself says, "I was holding. I I was hoping I would get away with it." So, yeah, you you lose me. Anything after that? All right.
1: Maybe, um, maybe, maybe, exactly though. Every time you fix one thing, you cause another problem. Um, You know, maybe that should be a a five yard penalty and not an automatic first down. Every time, there is nothing worse. There is nothing worse. And I feel like this happened to the Saints more this season than any time I've ever covered the team. <laughs> it's like third and 12, third and 18. Oh and it's, and no it's a five yard penalty, but automatic first down. <laughs> that is such a.
0: Wow. Yeah, I'm not so a fan kidding. of. Auto, I'd rather I make it 10 yards and not an automatic first down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, offensive holding is 10 yards. And in uh, I believe in, in college, it's 10 yards, isn't it? And. I know even in high school that. that it's 10 yards it, It's and it's not an automatic first down. It yeah. shouldn't be. So now,
1: yeah, look, you don't want people to get away with I'm holding him. And otherwise he would have got wide open for a touchdown yeah. and, and it's only a five yard penalty, but I don't know. That one always stinks when it's like a ticky tack. Yeah, so he he prevented him from getting out on his route, and and, and it turns into a free first down when you had him pit.
0: Back, well, that's the worst so. part about this whole call is it's a potential scoring play, but you don't know yeah. that Juju would have been able to get to the ball. I mean, he may or yeah. may not have been. So I get what the guy was trying to do, and it does suck that it. Look, I'm not going to say it doesn't suck that it didn't that it ended that way. I mean, look, I said it again in my monologue. I mean, I had a lot riding on Kansas City. And when they kicked the game a field goal, I wasn't like I normally would have been, like you know, screaming at the top of my lungs or hooray we won. I was just like, eh, okay, it's over. I mean, it, it yeah. was, that's not how a Super Bowl is supposed to end. But that's not that's not anyone's fault. That's just the way that it ended because the dude held. I mean, it is right. what it is. So, but right. it takes away, Trip. I think from from the talk of, I mean, people are still talking about it, but not as much as they should of how ridiculous and just how damn good Patrick Mahomes is.
1: Well, it's Mahomes and it's Andy Reid and, and the guy held because it was like the 14th brilliantly designed play to get a wide receiver wide open in that game. I mean, the Kelsey touchdown, uh, the, the Sky Moore touchdown, the touchdown. They were all like, Oh my God, do they have a playbook that no one's ever had any, you know, and that was going to be another, (laughs) that was going to be another one. Like, the mastery of uh, Reed and Mahomes won out. So you, you don't feel cheated in that sense.
0: Well, you know what the genius of that is? He sets, Andy Reed sets it up by running a play to see where the safety is going to go before both of those plays, which were the same play, just going in opposite directions. The genius of Andy Reed is, let me, let me see what they're going to do. Yep, they bid again. They'll run that play again.
1: It's unbelievable, yeah. He's getting his credit. I mean, he used to be known as somebody who... Didn't know he's come up big in big games, but um, but his his last two Super Bowl wins just at his legacy. That that would be the Sean Payton story if they yeah. if they had drafted Pat Mahomes, it'd be like this guy can do no wrong. And it's like, yeah, you look sure look like a genius when you get the biggest cheat code in the league, right?
0: <laughs> I've said that a couple. i said that a couple times in the last few weeks. Just think if Andy Reid hadn't sniped him and uh, yeah. jumped in front of him. I mean, first of all, he'd still be here, um, and second of all, the Saints probably would have. Who knows? Yep. They'd have at least at least two more Super Bowls, maybe more. But uh, yep. that's neither here nor there. The Saints aren't don't have Patrick Mahomes, and they don't have Patrick Mahomes coming here. Um, no. So I do want to talk about the Saints and spend more time with you on that than I spent in my monologue, which was just a few minutes. The news yesterday that Derek Carr says he won't accept a trade to the Saints nor to anyone else. I mean, it shouldn't come as a surprise, I guess, but the fact that the Saints had brought him in here and obviously had talked to the Raiders, to me that it it suggested that all these parties had kind of talked about this ahead of time do you think that maybe Derek Carr changed his mind afterwards or do you think that look I mean for all we know he could have been straight up and saying look I'm not going to take a trade
1: yeah look I I, I, I've talked to people and and You know, every indication I've gotten is he's still interested in the Saints. Saints are still interested in him. Nothing went wayward on the visit. Nobody changed their minds based on the visit. Um, But contract talks could be part of the equation. You know, there was at least one report, which I have not verified, that the Saints wanted him to take a pay cut as part of this entire package. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if the Saints can now offer him more money because they're not going to have to give up a draft pick. Right. Um, I don't know if. A team called his agent on, you know, the day after the visit, and said, "Hey, we're not bringing him in for a visit right now, but if he does make it to free agency, we'll get in the mix. Or if we miss out on Aaron Rodgers, we're going to be aggressive. Like, you know, I I think the betting odds were, were you know 99 to one that, that Derek Carr was going to accept a trade from the get go. It never made any sense for him to be like, no, I don't want to be a free agent. I want to, I I want to accept this deal." And let my old team that just fired me get a draft pick along with it. I mean, I mean, if anything, why wouldn't Derek Carr just be like, "Okay, I love it. I love you guys. Let's sign that deal Thursday." You know, so there's a million reasons why this doesn't mean he rejected the Saints. Uh, a, a trade never made a ton of sense. The only way I thought a trade made it sense is if Carr could somehow get more money out of the deal if, like, the Saints and the Raiders were both spending money in the deal and. Right. and, and and increasing the pot overall. But he was already a free agent all along, choosing to do whatever he wanted, become a free agent, not become a free agent, sign with the Saints, not sign with the Saints. He's still a free agent. And so the, the task for the Saints was always the same. Be his most attractive destination, offer him the best deal, some combination of those two. If, if another team's going to offer more money, or If another team's going to offer a better situation, Derek Carr will choose either more money or a better situation. There was no way the Saints had a loophole in here. They had to convince Derek Carr. They didn't there's nothing they could have done to make the Raiders trade him they They've always had to convince Derek Carr and and I think Derek Carr probably feels good about his market as he should.
0: in hindsight, it's easy to see that, but do you think uh, you know one thing I bring up is I thought that the Saints' best chance, I'm not saying that it's not going to still happen because it could still happen, but I think their chances lessen by the fact that there's no trade being made because yeah. they weren't fighting against anyone, and now they might be fighting against five or six other teams, including at least two in their own division. Yeah, maybe all three
1: in their own division. Maybe right? all
0: three, correct.
1: Uh, yeah, th- but I, that's the thing is they always were. Um, uh, the thing that was curious to me was was what could possibly make Derek Carr accept a trade, and that would be if he somehow thought his his current contract, which was three years, uh, it averages thirty eight point six, but it's like thirty three this year, and then like forty next year, and forty one right. the next year, or whatever. But the only only forty total guaranteed. So let you know, let's call it three years, one hundred and eighteen million with only uh, only you know, forty guaranteed. With forty, well, but that's one year. That's one guaranteed year, basically. You know, you get cut after one year. So so that had to be his. He had to decide. I can't get a better contract than this in free agency. And and I'd be pretty surprised if he would have decided. There's no way I can do better than this in free agency. Now he might come close to it, he might not get as much money but get more guaranteed, or, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I, I would have been a little surprised if he would have been like, there's no way I'm getting a deal this good in, in free agency because I think he's going to be a hot commodity in free agency because of all the teams that need quarterbacks, and the fact that, you know, if, if Lamar Jackson is or isn't available, if Aaron Rodgers is or isn't available, he, he is without question, no matter how you feel about how much he's worth, He's the next best option on the
0: list. There's no, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know how many different ways to say it. I mean, there, he is by far the best option out there on the board. And whether some fans who can't see the forest through any trees with direct sunlight or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, it. Look, I don't know what they're what they're smoking, but okay, that, go ahead, keep smoking it. Uh, ruin your brain. Um, there is no, look, the next best option after that is, is Jimmy Garoppolo and whether he'd be interested who, who knows. But to me, Tripp, if the saints don't get one of those two guys, they're in a world of hurt.
1: Well, they are in a world of hurt, but there's a lot of people who advocate for, don't spend that much money on a car Garoppolo. So they, they enter that world. I, I have talked myself into like, I would say in November, we've, we've been talking about this unfortunately for months because, um. You know, we've been thinking about the Saints' future for way too long since last season was kind of out of the picture uh, pretty early. And I was pretty staunchly, I am not a pay Jimmy Garoppolo 25 to 30 million guy. Because to me, if you pay Jimmy Garoppolo that much money, you still don't have your quarterback. You still have to draft one. You still have to be looking for the next one. And then when I heard Carr at close to 40 million, and a draft pick to trade for him, I was like, ooh, maybe. <laughs> but now that I've had time to think about it and realize, well, what are the alternatives? I've kind of talked myself into it, but but the the only reason I would talk myself into it is if that means you stop searching. I need to know the Saints love him. I, you know, I've heard their pro scouting department does have high grades on him. Dennis Allen obviously likes him. As long as he's your guy and you're like, this is our path, I mean, you probably – become the Tennessee Titans with Ryan Tannehill or the, the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins, that's not the most attractive thing I've ever heard of in my life. But those two teams haven't been, you know, searching for quarterbacks. They, they're they like, this is our quarterback. Now we're going to invest in other areas. And, and you can be competitive that way. So so I'm into it, but a lot of people aren't into it. A lot of people aren't. Like, I don't want to spend $40 million on the 14th best guy in the league. Um, yeah,
0: well, Tripp, you know, Yeah, I
1: mean, so I uh, like – you're lost, but I don't know. I don't know who your next quarterback is if you don't sign him.
0: Well, here, here's another reason why I think you talked yourself into it is because the other people, the people who aren't against it, that well, they watch the Saints for three hours and 30 minutes a week. You have to cover this crap every day, and you don't want to go through another yeah. season. <laughs> neither do I. You don't want to cover another season of five and a half months of wasted life. Which, in, I mean, you know, I'm going a little hyperbole there, but for, you know what I mean. I mean, no, none of us want, want to watch this crap for another. We can't go through another 4-8 and eight season. If you don't get a real quarterback, I don't care how good your defense is. You can't score. You can't win. There's absolutely no
1: question that the Saints need something that promotes interest. Now, now Derek Carr might be polarizing, but at least he, he does have a certain amount of hope that comes with him. Rolling it back with Andy Dalton or Teddy Bridgewater or you know someone at that level. Oh God! Um, please
0: stick needles yeah, no, in my I mean, eyes.
1: People be checked out now. Look, if you do that, it has to come along with a clear and concise plan. Like, like if it's Andy Dalton and Henning Hooker or you know, that doesn't mean it it'll work. But if they've got to be saying. We have an aggressive plan. And and that's actually my favorite part of the car pursuit is they're being aggressive about it. Yes, they are I well agree. aware that they've got a good roster that they don't want to say, here's the thing that really bothers me, Jim is everyone is acting like option B is Caleb Williams. Caleb exactly. Williams unrealistic. Like, Thank you. Not like any quarterback you draft in the top 12 is Caleb Williams. Thank you. You have to go. Oh, and 17, you have to be like, uh, hey, bad news, uh, Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, Demario Dennis. They're all uh, leaving. You, know, you, yeah. you all have to lose every game on purpose this year. Oh, and, oh, by the way, so do you, Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael. You'll all be fired when it's done. Exactly. But this is our long-term plan. And even then, you might accidentally win one game and, and have the second pick, like Lovey Smith did for the Houston Texans. And yeah. that runs the whole plan. But Caleb Williams is not choice B. You know,
0: like uh, don't, um, don't get me wrong. Yeah, Lovey Smith up with knew he was getting, getting extra Lovey Smith knew he was getting fired and that was a big screw yeah. you to the Texans is what that was. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But but yes, every person who's ever watched football, Mickey Loomis, Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael, Jeff Ireland would all take Caleb Williams over Derek Carr, yes. You don't have a path to the first pick in next year's draft, <laughs> even if that's like saying, you know, like, you know, look, we've watched the Pelicans. I love the way the Pelicans are building right now with young players or whatever. Um, and that is great or whatever, but it's like saying, it's easy, like, try, try telling the Pelicans. Yeah. If you, if you get the number one pick in the draft, you then win five Super Bowls. No, you, you don't, you it, like,
0: exactly. You don't
1: get to choose that path. And I would pick that too. Seven and 10 every year sucks. Like, it, you know, I, I, I'm it leaning does. toward the I'm leaning toward the yeah I, you could talk me into blowing it up quote unquote blowing it up. I'd love to be the Jaguars with with Trevor Lawrence the the Bengals with Joe Burrow. I'd, I'd love to do that but you know what it, it, you know you, as long as you have these guys that are still on the back end of their primes and you have this pretty good roster, you really are one or two bad breaks, a little better injury luck away from being a 10-win team. You're not this four-win team that has won four games three years in a row. You're you're a 500 team right now. So if you eventually have to blow it up because, because Derek Carr doesn't work, then, then you can do that in two years. You don't have to rush into blowing it up.
0: Well, I will say this. I'll be more likely to give them a little bit more of a pass if they – if it doesn't work out and they can't get anyone, at least I know now that they're trying. Like you said, bringing them in here, it's clear and obvious that they're they're selling Derek Carr the way that they tried to sell, well, did sell Drew Brees, and is, you're our guy, we want you. And if they swing and they miss, they swing and they miss, but at least, for God's sake, they're trying, and to me, that's encouraging.
1: Yeah, Uh, and that's what they have to be doing. And look, it sucks at that position. It sucks at that position, and... You know, one thing Mickey Loomis said at his press conference that I've also heard privately, I've heard publicly is is, you know, to get to, to go through the draft and get your quarterback, you have yeah. to be in the top five and you have to be in the top five in a good year. Um un- quote unquote unfortunately for the Saints um, you know, they they haven't sniffed the top five in uh since two thousand six and 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 you can tell you can say, Oh, they should have brought their their Drew Brees replacement into the building years ago, and yeah, they almost drafted Pat Mahomes. That would have been incredible. That would have been once in a lifetime. They sn- they considered Lamar Jackson. Turns out that would have been good too. But don't tell me that if they had drafted Kyle Trask, or uh, right. Jordan Love, or uh, someone in the second round, or like that that there's like 12 quarterbacks they they passed on over the years that and blew it. Like. you you normally don't find those guys automatically picking where the saints have been picking. So, so it's just really hard. It's just really hard to get a great quarterback.
0: And what would have happened if Pat Mahomes or, and or Lamar Jackson would have had to sit and wait three years for Drew Brees to retire. I mean, what would happen there?
1: Yeah. Well, we, we, we actually just did a, what if on our new Orleans football podcast. (laughs) And one of the things we point out is if they draft Mahomes instead of Marshawn Lattimore, which everyone would do, um, that team might not make the playoffs in twenty seventeen without Marshawn right. Lattimore, and that would be four straight non playoff seasons. And they might have parted ways with Drew Brees right, right right then and there. And you know, people would do it in hindsight, um, but at the time, it would have been a pretty shocking move to 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 shove Drew Brees out the door, quote unquote, the, early.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think they would have ever done done that. He he earned. Look, I wish he would have retired two years before, but he had earned the right to retire when he wanted to retire before I let you go trip. I know uh, you got some things going on this morning. I do want to ask you, and I never got a chance to bring you on after this happened, but when you got that exclusive with Jameis Winston, look, I was always one and you don't need to give me your opinion on whether Jameis Winston should have played or not. I mean, I think any realistic, normal, normal fan knows that at least he should have got another chance that that's neither here nor there. But what is your sense of why he thinks he never got another chance.
1: Well, that it's really interesting how that all played out. Like there was, there was only a couple points in the season. There were probably like three points in the season where it would have made sense to turn to him. And one is after that Arizona game where, where Andy Dalton throws the the two pick sixes before halftime. And, you know, it was his worst game in, in that stretch. And, and, that's when we all asked Dennis Allen, all right, you know, are you making a switch now? And Dennis Allen decided to stick with Dalton then. And he said Jameis Winston is healthy now. And he meant Jameis Winston is is active now. He's he's cleared to return to play. He's going to be active as the backup now. But health was still a factor in that decision. He was not going to be a 100% Jameis Winston. He was, right. you know, he was going to be a limited Jameis Winston. And they liked you know, what Andy Dalton was bringing. And then the very next week, they beat the Raiders 24-0. And I think that bought Dalton some more time. And then I think the next time when Dalton had kind of faded and come back to earth a little bit was after the Steelers game. And they were missing three offensive linemen, and then they were hosting Aaron Donald and the Rams in the Superdome. And I think that week there was a very good chance they were going to switch back to Jameis Winston. They had conversations with Winston. They were trying to gauge his health. They were debating it. And for whatever reason that they did not switch back to Winston then, Andy Dalton then set his career record for highest passer rating of his career, and they dominate the Rams, and Dalton looks terrific. That bought him more time, you know? And then I thought maybe by week time, uh, four weeks to go in the season, you'd do it just to take a look at Winston. 100%. But by that, point, by that point, I think the relationship had just deteriorated on both sides to the point where, like, Dennis Allen wanted to try to win with Andy Dalton. They knew what they were getting in Andy Dalton. You know, like, they never they never reached a point. They were like, we're giving up on this year. We're looking into next year. And they just ultimately always thought if they were trying to win this year, they, they you know, every week was sort of a must-win game. By that point, it would have been going back to Winston, Rusty off three months. You know, I, I, they're just, they were making the decision week to week that I think we can win this week with Andy Dalton. I think if it was ever going to happen, it was going to happen that week a- after Pittsburgh, and, and and that's really what the deciding line was. Now, Winston obviously wanted to be treated as, as any starting quarterback, as Drew Brees coming off a punctured lung and broken ribs and a fractured finger. As soon as the doctors say I'm clear to play, I want to start again. Um, and, and the Saints were weighing it as, you know, 70% Winston, 80% Winston, 90% Winston versus Dalton. And, and went with Dalton a lot of those you know, Dalton, Dalton would have given a lot of teams a chance to win. I think ultimately we realized Dalton's biggest shortcoming was not being able to bring teams behind from the fourth quarter when you needed points. Dalton was sort of a, if the game plan's working, if the offensive line's working, if the run game's working, if the defense is working, I can work too. Reminds me of Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he probably could have gone 5-0 and with the 2019 Saints. Uh, yep. But but ultimately, uh, in 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 hindsight, in some of those games where you needed points and you needed magic, um, I'm not sure they wouldn't have done it differently. But but it's clear that the the you know the relationship with Winston, uh, you know, I, I think I think they're moving on, and I think he probably is ready for a change of scenery as well.
0: I I know there will be a lot of listeners who disagree with me when I say this. I think that uh, Jameis Winston is kind of going unsung, and it'll be interesting interesting to see where he lands because I think he could be a potential cheap starter for someone that for for a team that's decent already, a la someone like the Carolina Panthers, I think he could be a good quarterback somewhere.
1: Uh, uh, Without question, I don't think anyone should disagree that we still never got to find out what Jameis Winston could be. And the main reason is injuries more than any coaching decisions. Like, yes, he got he got hurt seven games into – last season he got hurt one game into this season. And 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 it's a shame. Like, a lot of the things the Saints need right now in that quarterback who has some hope and some upside, you could say Jameis Winston checks a lot of those boxes. It's a little tough to to sell the team on doing it again for a third straight year when, when it didn't pan out for a variety of reasons the first two years. But I completely agree with you. Uh, you know uh, – Would it shock me if there's a Geno Smith renaissance still to come in Jameis Winston's career? Absolutely not. He does have shortcomings. I mean, if you're the kind of person that prefers, you know, I mean, he is the exact opposite of Andy Dalton. If you're the kind of person who prefers to have 12 play drives and throw to your first read and throw a slant pass and throw to a running back, he's not not your guy. I mean, that is always going to be his biggest shortcoming. But if you need to generate offense because because 12-play drives don't work if you don't have a dominant run game and a dominant offensive line, he's the exact kind of guy they were missing in a lot of their losses this year.
0: I'm just going to throw this out there. You don't throw for 5,000 yards if you suck. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple. I mean, I get that you throw 30 interceptions and it is what it is. But you don't throw for 5,000 yards if you suck. I mean, yeah. so somebody's going to give him a chance and it'll be – interesting to see what happens i kind of hope i hope it's not in the, in the division because i don't want to see i think Jameis winston can be a good quarterback i really do so we'll, we'll see if i'm right or i'm wrong all right trip i am ready for baseball season and uh look I, we're both rooting for the same uh same real life baseball team but um i think dairy bombs are gonna uh, whip whip some keister this year
1: man i don't even want to you know I'm in a rebuilding I'm in rebuilding mode. I think I got a lot of keepers. You always you, you always it always comes back to fantasy sports. You in, in a in a keeper league or dynasty league, you always wanna be trying to win this year or you wanna be trying to build your great team for the future. I, I think both of us just wanna make sure we aren't the 2022 Saints.
0: hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's gonna be another fun ride, you know, you or I You and I are usually battling towards the top. I had a really bad year after winning it two in a row. It is what it is. I'm in the same situation in football. I won two in a row. Uh, this was my second in a row. I know I'm gonna stink next year. So it is what it is, you know. So but I'm coming back with a vengeance. You and Muton are on my list.
1: (laughs) Wait, is Muton defending champion or no? No, Pearl,
0: Uh, right? No, uh, no, Muton won easily at Tour then. He he Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm coming at you guys with with a vengeance. But uh we're gonna have fun in a few weeks. Uh trip. I know you got things going on and I appreciate you taking time out. Um get yourself a break, man. You need a break. I know it's been a whirlwind past couple six to I'll eight take, to ten months for you.
1: I'll take a major quarterback signing over a break and get my break later. All right. but uh but, uh, but short of that I'll be ready for one. Yeah, you know, this well, is usually I will say- a quiet, this is usually a quiet time of year. I mean February February until the combine kicks off is usually the quietest part of the season until until you know those weeks before training camp. But uh, well, the good news moves, is he's it, making moves right now.
0: The good news is they can't do anything until March fifteenth once he gets released, so you could sure. take a, a little mini break. Um, New Orleans, that football. No, that's um, not
1: true. That's actually not true. He's a free agent. He, he I thought released. he couldn't
0: sign until March fifteenth.
1: The the trade couldn't have become official till March fifteenth. But he gets released on February fifteenth. He's a free agent on February. 16th. Oh, okay. He's jumping the line, man.
0: Oh man, now, now he, see,
1: he would wisely wait and let Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I guarantee you, he's rooting for the opposite thing than the Saints. Derek Carr's camp is probably rooting for Aaron Rodgers to end up with the Raiders, the one team that he's not going to sign with. That'll to open get fifteen million his a market. year. The Saints should probably root for Aaron Rodgers to go to the Jets and take that option away from Derek Carr,
0: <laughs> or stay with Green Bay.
1: Yeah, well, but what? what I'm saying, yeah, what I'm saying is they they would love for the the Jets.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Taking away
1: saying. from Derek Carr's list of right. babies.
0: <laughs> That's one less team that he's going. I think he's going to end up somewhere in the NFC South. Uh, I hope it's here, but we'll find out. Um, you and Nick Hunt- Underhill make a fantastic team. New Orleans. Football. It's uh, it's you guys are doing some great things over there. Um, and, uh, look, I know it's a little different world than you've been living in. Uh, it's a little bit smaller scale, but, hey. Uh, I love it. I love it's it. It's New Orleans-centric.
1: I get to do what we just did. I get to talk about Saints all the time. People always get to know what I'm thinking all the time. I love it.
0: <laughs> well, we're glad to have you uh, being able to stay, stick around, even the, as, a, as an Iowan you know, you have, you and Duncan, you know, you got Kentucky, you got Iowa, everybody, the melting pot of America, as I, as I call it. They come to New Orleans and they never leave. You're exactly right. I'm going on
1: <laughs> 24 years here or something like that. Uh, I think I'm here to stay.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks, my friend, and uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks for having me, Jim.
0: Mike Triplett, again, formerly of the Thomas McCune, formerly of, ESPN now with New Orleans.Football and with Nick Underhill doing an excellent job over there. Um, great duo. And, uh, you know, we we got some really good ones around here. We really do. And I know we're all in a competitive market, and I appreciate the guys that, you know, it used to be, it was so much different before. It's like no one wanted to do anyone's show because you didn't want to give anyone any help or anything. And now we, we kind of work together. And I think that works so much better for everybody. Um, so I, I thank uh, Trip for coming on, and um, I wish uh, wish him and and Nick all the, all the success in the world. Uh, there's plenty of room for all of us, right? Um, it has been an interesting season to say the least. Uh, it started with way back when, back in June. Well, I mean, the season actually started in March. Uh, we had. Ricky Jackson on for episode number fifty-seven. I think uh, was very early in the season. We went into the off season. We had quite a few shows. We had so we've we've had some. We've been so blessed in the first two seasons of this show to have some great guests. You know, we had Dale Brown was on in season one. David Baker, Stan Varet, and and it just kind of continued. And and last off season we had some some great ones as well. Ricky Jackson was early in the season. I know it was episode number 57, and then in June, we had Mickey Loomis. We talked to former coach Jim Morrow right before the season started, so we're going to try to do that thing again. In fact, we're going to maybe do it even a little bit better, but also thanking all my local media friends from across the New Orleans area. I think most of them have been on at some point. Not all of them. There are still some some people that we haven't had on, and for sure we want to do that, but uh, I can't thank everyone enough. Not not just the people who have been on this show that helped us make this show what it is over the past two seasons, but uh you, the listeners, and I've said this before. You know, some of you, I call idiots and morons, and you still come back. Um I mean it with all the love in the world, if that makes any sense. I mean, you know, my wife makes fun of me because the way we the way I grew up on the West Bank, you know, it just, it was a thing. The way we say we love someone... um was kind of making fun of them and calling them names and nobody got their feelings hurt and it is what it is and call it the way we see it and we're loud and it is what it is. So, I mean, that's kind of where I am. That's kind of who I am. And uh, if you're still listening to this show after, whether you've listened to 10 episodes or parts of a hundred episodes or whatever it is, I know you haven't listened to 139. um, You're, I, I can't thank you enough. Even If I don't agree with you, if if I completely disagree with the way you think about everything, I still thank you for listening to the show. I'm not sure why you want to listen to me kind of bash you. Um, You know, sometimes I give you a chance to respond. Sometimes I don't. Um, I usually do. And I almost always respond to everything on social media. I don't always put you on the show, but I almost always respond on social media. So, look, it is that time of year. Uh, I am... Been in this business for 32 years now, um, and uh, I am so glad that it has evolved. You, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but you can teach an old dog to love new things, and I think that's where we are. I mean, I've for nine years, I've been able to broadcast games and now doing this podcast for, for two seasons, for a year and a half, two seasons. Um, it's been a joy of my life, and to do all the shows I do with Zach and Spencer and on Bayou Bets and Devin before, it, I love it. I mean, I, I love this part of it as much as I love the writing, or maybe more. And uh, we can't do that without you. And uh, so I'm, I'm very thankful. But as most of you know, this is the time of year when I take a break. Um, right after football's over, and we go into Mardi Gras, and I love Mardi Gras, and I'm riding in the crew of Endemium. So you made it this long, I'll give you a little secret. If you're listening to this, and you want to come tell me hello, and you want me to throw you something Saturday in the crew of Endymion I'm probably not supposed to say I never got my final float assignment but I I know that I'm on float 33a and there's a, it's a tandem float so there's an a and B so if you if you miss a you missed me okay but I believe I'm the last man on the driver's side of me I'm one of those last three guys for sure I think as of now I think I'm the last guy on 33a on the driver's side. If you make it, I probably won't hear you unless you're really loud. So yell, yell datitude, make a sign for datitude, make a sign, put my name on it, and I will bomb you, I promise. Um, and that that's about the best reward I can give you, right? I can't wait to get my king cake from Jeff Duncan. But we're going to leave it like this. Why not? Any other way, it's the Mardi Gras Mambo. It's time for me to do my little dance. I'm on vacation after tomorrow for a week. Uh, Datitude is going to go on a mini hiatus. We will return on the first Friday in March, which I believe is March the 3rd. Don't hold me to that. I don't have a calendar for me, but I'll leave. It is Friday, March the 3rd. That's when we will be back with season number three. I have no idea who my guests will be. I'm pretty sure we'll be talking about Saints. Who knows? Maybe we'll be talking about a new quarterback by then. But starts ramping up. We're getting towards the draft. We will talk to you then. Everyone have a wonderful Mardi Gras. Spend it with the ones you love. Don't eat too much king cake, because come Ash Wednesday, we all got to worry about our gut. I'm number one on that list. We will see you later. Peace and love, my friends.